to the Gospel according to St. John. This is John the Beloved, or as he's often called, the Apostle of Love. Now, if you've ever read his Gospel, which is the Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel, uh, you'll know why it's called the Apostle, or he's called the Apostle of Love. But also, if you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you'll really know why he's called the Apostle of Love, because he is... He's all about love throughout the entire thing. So this is we're going to locate ourselves in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, not his epistles. He has three of them. And by the way, he also wrote Revelation. So John's all over the place in the New Testament. The only one to write more than him in the New Testament is actually Luke. Because Luke writes the Gospel according to Luke, which we'll look at next week. And he also writes Acts. He writes one-third of the New Testament. Okay, so this is the Apostle of Love. I want you to... uh, You probably know these words well, um, but I want you to hear these words anew this morning as we look here in John chapter 1. We're going to read 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not know Him. He, sorry, but his own did not receive him, sorry. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after Me ranks before Me because He was before Me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your most holy Word that reveals the very nature of God, Yourself. May we hear these words this morning and respond to them, respond to Your grace, Your truth, your fullness, 
with true faith. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'll remind you what we're doing here over the four Sundays we have of preparation for Christmas. Advent is preparation for His coming. If you had someone very important coming over to your house to come and stay with you, you would do some preparation, I would hope. Uh, most of you would. At least your wives would make you. Uh, right? Get off the couch. Do something. Uh, babe, they don't care how, you know, what do you want it? Looking like a motel room? You know, we live here, right? Uh, most of our house looks like a motel room. You come in there because there's nothing messed up. Everything is straight, but we live there, right? Things are going to get messed up, but you prepare. Advent is a time for us to stop in the busyness, messiness of life, and we stop to prepare our hearts for God's own coming, which is we celebrate at Christmas. Okay? Then we have 12 days of Christmas, and then we, ha- we move into the season of Epiphany, which is where the wise men come in, by the way. We'll talk about that later when we get on into the new year. So what we've done is we're going to look at the four Gospels during these four weeks. And the way that these four Gospels talk about God's coming to us. Now, we, we mentioned Matthew. starts off with the genealogy of Jesus. This boring genealogy. But it connects us directly back to the Old Testament. Connects us to the fact that this is a historical event that will split time for all people. Including you and myself. I mean, you date your birthday again to His birthday. And then we looked at Mark. And we saw how in Matthew, the high king of heaven, and now to transition to Mark, moves all the way down to a lowly servant. There's this great, if you will, descent. And for... All the religions of the world, they've always respected someone who had great power, great authority, great uh, you know, money, resources, whatever you want to say. They've always respected someone stepping down from those positions and becoming a lowly servant. That's why people like Mahatma Gandhi, Gandhi right? It's because he could have been very wealthy and yet he died with about $5 worth of stuff. Why? Because he renounced everything. Well, there's one who has renounced more than Mahatma Gandhi, and that is God Himself. The High King, the King over other kings, has stepped down to become a baby, needing his diaper changed, needing to go to sleep. A baby. You see him around here, right? You hear them. Right? We have the sounds of babies here at Harvest Point. He became a one of us. He became a little bitty baby. So the high king becomes a lowly servant. Now we skip over Luke. I'm doing this on purpose. And we move to John. And John's going to show us this morning the Son of God. That's what John is most concerned with here. That's why he begins his book with again connecting us to the Old Testament. Notice, these words are unmistakable. When you read them, you immediately think of Genesis 1.1, do you not? In the beginning. That's the way, I mean, the whole Bible starts off this way. In the beginning. Now, John tweaks it 
to say, in the beginning was the Word. (laughs) Now this term, Word, is not Word in Greek. It's logos. And you probably know this, L-O-G-O-S. It's a very technical term. It's a term that philosophers for even now are still perplexed by, but fundamentally, it is the principle and unity of all of life. That's what is meant philosophically by Lagos. Now you can go back and read Heraclitus all the way back in 534 B.C. You know, the philosophers lived before Jesus. He was very aware of Plato, Socrates, Aristotle. Of course, that's not the order. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. You can always remember that by spa. S-P-A. At least that's how I do it. These guys all wrote about this concept of Lagos. Or, as it's translated here, word. Now, what they're looking for, and if you, if you studied philosophy at all before, you know that philosophers are always looking for the unity behind everything. This is what they said that unity was. Reason is what Aristotle said this word was. It's reason. It's reason because we live in a reasoned world. We live in a world that is designed, these guys would say. There's an unmoved mover, they would tell us. And this logos is the principle, the cornerstone, if you will, the underlying unseen unity to all of the world. Okay? And so John takes this term, this very philosophical, high-ended term, and he says, you know what? Logos, the principle of the world, the unity of the world, became one of us. (laughs) Now he tweaked it. That's a big-time tweak. He really smashed the whole idea. And now, this is what is meant by Logos, is the word, the Son, of in the beginning was the principle of all the universe, who is Jesus Christ. (laughs) He was in the beginning with God. Because He was God, at the same time He's with God. Now, are you listening to John? Because this can get a little confusing, can it? He said, John, slow down a little bit, man. It's only 10, 11 o'clock. If we study about God and His revelation, why would we assume that it would be really cheap and easy to understand? We are dealing with God after all, right? <laughs> He's the one who created philosophy. He's the one who created biology and chemistry and mathematics. He is above and beyond all of those things, and all of those things, according to John, point to Him. In other words, He is the unity of mathematics. He is the unity of all the engineering that you do. The only reason that math works is because He works. 2 plus 2 equals 4 because of Him. The truth about animals, the truth about our world that we live in, is all based on Him and in Him and through Him. Now, what you'll find in studying the Bible is that the Bible loves prepositions. Now, I don't really care too much for prepositions. It's whatever to me. Just grammar. But the Bible is very specific about these things. Notice here already, all things, verse 3, were made through Him. That means you. (laughs) That means that when you were made, you were made through Him. You only exist in Him. You only doubt in Him. He makes it possible. 
You believe in Him. You love only in Him. We're all made for Him. We're made to be like Him. It was our original design. He made us to look like Himself because He knew from the very beginning, did He not? His plan from the very beginning was always to be with us. Now, I don't know what would have happened if we would have never fallen. But we did. And He came low. He came deep. He came far for us. Isn't that what we just sang about? He's done what it took to save us. All things were made through Him. He is the principle, the unity that all everybody else was an echo of. All the philosophers are echoing. They're, they're trying to figure out what this is exactly. And finally, He comes to reveal Himself. The Word becomes enfleshed in a baby. You know how radical that is? I mean, God becomes a little crying, needy baby that's got to sleep, that's got to eat, that's got to poop. That's what babies do, you know? Sleep, eat, poop. That would be your creed for the first year of your life. You know this well because we have a lot of children here in this church. God entered into that. God, the Son, became one of us. Who else says that in the world? Christians are the only ones. (laughs) The High King, the Mighty, the All-Powerful needs Mary. (laughs) The same moment that He's holding the whole world together... He's being held by His mother. Just like I was holding Todd just a moment ago. Imagine that being Jesus. That's what He became for us. Does anybody ever really stop to think about that? I mean, we have something here that is unbelievable! (laughs) Just think about what I just said. And yet we believe it. Also, you can see that John here immediately moves to John the Baptist. Remember I told you last week, John the Baptist is not some sideline. He's not some, oh yeah, he's a crazy, you know. No, no, no. Even our Scripture today, why didn't you, Jesus' question, why did you go out there to see him? Was it because he had nice clothes on? (laughs) No. You remember what he wore? Camel's hair. Why did you go out to see him? I tell you, because he was a prophet. And he was the greatest of prophets. Why? He tells us right here. Because through John's witness, all people, that includes me and you, all people believe in Jesus. He came to be a witness. He was sent by God to bear witness to the Son. He was to decrease as the Son increased. Can you have this descent? Ascent. If you want to be the greatest, Jesus says, be the least. Don't search for your own. Don't seek to be first. Instead, serve others. Push up. You know, 
Zig Ziglar said, if you want to be first in life, if you want to be happy in life, then help other people be happy. Help other people be first. He got that principle from, he made a lot more money than I've made, but he made that principle from Jesus. That's copy written from Jesus. The first will be last and the last first. And that's why we do these offerings. That's why we're having this special offering today is because we're trying to teach ourselves that the principle of giving runs deep in us and it unleashes really something in us that makes us happy. It's the craziest thing in the world. We give away something that we work for and we get happiness in return. If we keep it, we just get boredom. All believe through the witness of John. He came to prepare the way. And, and, and John, the Apostle of John here, Apostle of Love, is talking about John the Baptist and he's trying to differentiate from people because people really thought that John was the Messiah. There were people even after Jesus had called His disciples that were still following John and John's trying to push them toward Jesus and they're still, no, 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 you're the man. And so he said, look, he is not the light, but rather he came to bear witness to the light. We are to be like John. We are all sent ones. People say, are there apostles today? You know, that's kind of a question that people ask. Are there apostles today? Yes, you! (laughs) You know what apostle means in the Greek? Sent ones. Every Sunday I send you out. That's the last thing I do in that benedictory prayer I always give. I send you out. And we're all sent out into His world as His sent ones. John was sent from God. Read verse 6. He was also a witness to Jesus Christ. He was a reflection. He was not the source of light. He was a reflection of that light. We're like the moon. The moon gets its light from the sun. We are not the light, but we are made to reflect the light. That is our design. I always use a simple illustration of this. God designed us to look like Him. To be like, he designed us a certain way. Just like back in the day, you know, I used to play with G.I. Joes, right? And they have these little curved hands if you've never seen them, right? So you can put a weapon in there, right? AR-15, you slide it in there, or bazooka. You know, my, one of my favorite guys was Flag Viper. I was always the bad guy, Cobra. My brother was always the good guy, G.I. Joe. I, I, don't, I don't know why I was a bad guy, but there you go. Um, I like the black and red, I guess. <clears throat> but... We used to play, and then we had, you know, we didn't have any girls around, so we didn't have any Barbie dolls. But they would, one time we had some girls from the church come over, and they brought their Barbie dolls, right? The Barbie dolls got a hand shaped like this. I'm like, you can't put a gun in that hand. What what is that supposed to do? Pet your hair? You can't shoot anything like this. You gotta have a. I can't force a brush into a G.I. Joe's hand. Why? You break the thumb off. Break the thumb off, you can't hold the gun. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying God has designed us a certain way. (laughs) Just like those toys were designed a certain way. We weren't meant to hold a brush if our hand is shaped like this. And we weren't meant to hold a gun if our hands are shaped like this. And yet in our own lives, we try to force in our lives things that don't belong there and we get broken. And we become useless. And we feel like we've been thrown to the side. 
We feel like we're wandering. We don't know our purpose because we're playing with things in our lives that are not meant for us. And God wants to come and say, I know what you need because I'm the one who made you. I am your author. I'm the one writing the story. Your life won't make sense. You'll just be wandering around on the pages of life without me. I'm the only one who can tell you who you are. You don't go off by yourself to discover that. You come to me. And now, look what the author has done. The director of all things has now appeared in his own play. He stepped into his own pages. You know, Tolkien never makes it into the into Middle Earth. Jesus does. The author of all of life steps out and says, by the way, here's what this whole thing's about. He's the only one who can truly, isn't the author the only one who can truly hold the meaning of his writings? I mean, we can all, you know, critics always sit around and just go, yeah, no, I believe it meant this, and I believe. Only the author knows. He shares that with us. He lives it out before us in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you see what's happened here? (laughs) This is God's own Son. We were meant to be sons and daughters of God always. That was always the plan. And now, God Himself becomes Son. And John says He was eternally Son. Now, He didn't always have flesh, but He's always been begotten of the Father. There's two times here in verse 14 and in verse 18 that a technical term is used in the Greek which is not found many places in the Bible, which is monogenes, which just simply means only begotten of the Father or only begotten Son. Notice in verse 14, and the Word... Again, that principle that... I'm telling you, John, if you want to read a deep book, read John. John is the deepest book you will ever read in all of your life. If you can figure out John, you'll be the smartest person in the world. He holds some of the greatest truths of the doctrine of the Holy Trinity and of love. (laughs) And John says, and the word, that principle that the philosophers have dated now for probably 600 years at this point, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, this high philosophical concept, this high unity, this underpinning thing that we can't really put our finger on, now He becomes a baby. He becomes flesh and blood. You can see Him. He's palpable. He becomes empirical, touchable, seeable. He's right here. Isn't it good that He did that? Don't we need always an illustration or a person? When we're talking a high philosophy, high concept, somebody say, I'm not just kidding. Let me give you an illustration. And then boom. This is God's illustration, but it's not just an illustration. Because the illustration points to the reality. This is the reality. At the same time, it's the illustration. He is... God the same time He is with God. 
Notice this, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, we have beheld His glory, glory as monogenes, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then he says, now, the law comes through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus. Then he used the term again at the very end. No one has ever seen God. Right? I mean, people ask, prove God. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. You know, Well, it's very simple. God is spirit, the Bible says. Therefore, if God is spirit, then that means He's not matter. Therefore, you can't look under a microscope to find Him or out in a telescope to see Him. We don't have the empirical tools to find Him if He is spirit. And now, what is spirit becomes enfleshed. (laughs) This splits our time. It is our salvation. Without God becoming flesh, He can't die. If He doesn't die, He can't redeem us. There is no resurrection without incarnation. Incarnation being another, another term here. In flesh. Carne, you know, carnivorous animals. In flesh. If there's no in flesh, he gets his flesh from Mary, by the way. If there is no flesh from Mary, then there is no blood. If there is no blood, there's no way for us to be redeemed. Christmas is connected to Easter. Without Christmas, there is no Easter. That's why I say again, not sure why we don't sing Christmas songs year-round. We sing resurrection songs year-round, right? Sing Easter songs year-round. We don't sing Christmas songs year-round. If you don't have the incarnation, you can't have the resurrection. You can't have the crucifixion. No one has ever seen God. Notice this, though. The only God, that's again, monogenes, the only begotten of the Father is at the Father's right hand here, side, He has made Him known. In other words, when we see Jesus, when we read about Jesus in these Gospels, these witnesses of people who touched Him, John touched Jesus. John slept in the same room with Jesus. John ate with Jesus. And now He's telling us, in the beginning was the Word who is eternally begotten of the Father. Begotten, not made. Jesus is not created. The Father does not create Jesus. This is eternally happening. He's eternally begotten. And the Spirit is eternally proceeding from the Father. There's never a point in time because God is outside, of course, of time. And now, God who is outside of time, God who is not flesh... God who is Spirit now descends in the flesh. Descends into our time. He has 33 years. He's born to die for us. And as Mary is holding that little baby and rocking him to sleep and he's kind of drifting off, he's the Savior of the entire world. That's who saves us. Without Him, our life won't make sense. Without Him, we will be wandering. We'll be pushing stuff in our hands to break ourselves apart. 
with Him who is the author of life, the principal unity of the universe, everything will begin to make sense. We have Jesus, we have everything. We don't have Jesus, we have nothing. No, no matter how many things we have. That's why if we seek first the kingdom of God, He'll throw in everything else. If we seek our kingdom first, we'll never have enough. You want to be satisfied at Christmas time? You want to be happy in here? You want joy to be springing up? Then give. Let go of your life. Don't try to hold on to your life. I'm not talking about just your finances. Your finances is just one part of your life. I'm talking about you. You let go. Some of you have, have held on to certain parts of your life for a long time and, and, and hid it from God out of sight. Here, you can have most of me. We've let Him in the house. He started fixing the, the electrical parts and the plumbing, but now He wants to add a new wing. I don't, I don't know about that. That means you have to break down this wall, right? I kind of like my wall. I built that wall. He wants to build something that is way beyond where you can go. He wants to take you places way beyond what you can envision. And he can do that. Amen. He can do that. He can raise us up. That's, what he's, that's the reason He's come. That's the reason He came low. Was to raise us up high. God became man so that man can become God. That's what the early church fathers said. It rings true. It's not that we will ever be God, but we are to share in God. We are to have God in us. God became one of us so that we could share in Him. He shared in humanity so we can share in His divinity. Isn't this what Peter says? The divinity of God, the very Godhead, is in us through the power of God's Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. Man, that's some high things today. <laughs> Woo! That's, that's, you know, I'm so... <laughs> and yet, that's what this is all about. We just thought this was some simple holiday. Oh, oh um. No, no, no. There's something mysterious here. There's something beyond reason from the one who created reason. There's something that will blow our mind from the one who gave us a mind. There's something here that is saving from the Savior Himself. Do you know Jesus Christ? Because... What John says here is, those who knew Him received Him and He gave them the right to become children of God. Are you a child of the King? Do you look like God? Because you're supposed to. Do you talk like God? Do you act like God? We say Jesus. You know, do you act like Jesus? We push that like Jesus. What about God? Jesus is God. We are meant to be like God. We've shoved a lot of things in our lives that don't fit. Let's lay those things down today. And let's talk to the author of life and find out why He built the house. Let Him own the house. Let Him rock your house, if you will.
And He'll do it by faith. Trust Him today. He's the most trustworthy person you'll ever meet. Amen.